Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are y'all ready for the Bible today? I'm going to read a scripture and we are going to jump into it today. This is Mark chapter 14, verse 48. This is Jesus talking. He said, am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? This is actually when they're going to take Jesus off and take him to the cross. He looks at them and goes, am I leading a rebellion? Like, is that what you see me doing? Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, we love you today. And uh, God, it's a privilege to come together and to lift up the name that is higher than any other name. Jesus, you're our hero. You're the victor. You're the one that we love, the one that we adore. You're our hero today. And today, Lord God, we tune our ear, God, to hear and open our heart to hear what you are saying to us, Lord. I just pray for the empowerment, Lord, of your spirit, the boldness of your spirit, God, to share what's in your word today. Lord, we love you and we trust your word. We trust you today. Let this be a place where there's just revelation, We thank you. We honor you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to jump right into it today because I know that I've only got so much time before you go, isn't there a picnic today? And so I'm just going to like get right into the word today. First Samuel chapter eight, I want to take you to a story in the Old Testament. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, this guy named Samuel. Would y'all say Samuel? Samuel, he's a good guy. He's a fun guy to read about. Um, the word has like almost nothing negative to say about him ever, which I like those guys. I, you know, I'm like, oh, I'd like to grow up to be that someday. First Samuel 8 verse 1 says, when Samuel grew old, would you say grew old? Grew old. Hallelujah. Some of us that witnessed to us more than others. Um, I think I want to say hi to Diane, who's in the in-person service today rather than online. Last week, she came to the um, baptism, and she said, Pastor Mike, I can always see you because you got that yarmulke on the back of your head. And I just said, thank you for the encouragement, Diane. That is so sweet of you, those words of encouragement. So go ask Diane for a word. Um, I love you, Diane, but you kind of deserve that. Um, And James said, amen. Um, Back to the word, 1 Samuel 8.1, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served in Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So the elders of Israel gathered, and they came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, you are old. Okay, thank you. You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And he told the Lord, and the Lord told him, excuse me, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It's not you they have rejected, but they've rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day that I brought them out of Israel into this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly that, and let them know that the king who will reign over them will claim his 
rights. Let me tell you just a little bit about Samuel as we're getting into this. Samuel, just such a great transitional leader in the Bible. Um, he is um, at the very end of the judges. The judges happened um, after Joshua had entered into Israel and had taken the land of Canaan. And Joshua came after Moses, right? They established their land. They established their practices. They had the law. Everything was there. And what was happening in judges is the people um, would do well with God and then they would leave God and they would get captured. They, their neighbors would, would um, torment them. They would cry out to God and God would send them a judge. And and deliver them. And they would go up and down and up and down. And Samuel is the end of that cycle. And he's going to be the transition man going into Israel for the first time ever having actual kings. And so we see him in this transition. And he's such a great leader because he is he stands as a judge, like judging the people's needs. He's, he acts as a priest because he was, uh, he was brought up under um, Eli, his his. Um, his surrogate father, if you will. You got to read the story to find out more about him. But he acts as a priest. He acts as a judge. So he's this transition guy. And uh, when his, um, when his, it, it, he's so good that it says in 1 Samuel 3.19 that not a word of his fell to the ground. Now that is, that's impressive, right? That's really impressive. So he gets older and he puts his sons into leadership and, and his sons do not do nearly as well. And it says it explicitly in the word. His sons were poor leaders. They're accepting bribes. They're perverting judge, uh, justice. And the nation did not like this. And so the elders came to Samuel and they basically, they declare, hey, we want a king uh, to lead us. Other nations have a king. We want a king. They just weren't happy with the situation, this was their we the people moment. They came before him and said, hey, we the people want something different and we want to change. This isn't working for us. What's fascinating is God never deals with the fact that Samuel's sons are not good leaders. Never even comes up. Not because God doesn't care because actually that's not the, address, the issue that he's going to address here. So Samuel took it personally. I would take it personally. Would you take it personally? I'd be like, come on, you know, I've given you really good years of my life and things like that. It was really a, a dishonorable thing to come to Samuel this way um, because it would reflect on his leadership. But the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, listen, it's not you that they're rejecting. They're really rejecting me. You know, there's so many applications to that in our own lives. You know, um, sometimes moms and dads, we can get unpopular and um, we can get unpopular for doing the right thing, right? And don't get me wrong. We can do the right thing the wrong way. Let's take some accountability, okay? But sometimes, you know, we, we can lose favor because what we want isn't what somebody else wants. Sometimes it ain't about you, right? And so, and that, that goes for all of us. That can go for you and your boss. Oh, he went there. Kids were like, why are you picking on me, right? It can go with your boss. I mean, there's so many applications, for that in our lives. And the Lord equated it to idolatry because they wanted something else that they could see. And what they didn't realize was God was their king. Y'all hear me? They weren't seeing it. They were like, we don't want your sons and we don't want Samuel anymore. And the Lord's like, they ain't rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Ooh. So Samuel is told to warn them. He says, listen, king's gonna ask for his rights. 
I want you to warn him. And so he warns him. He says, listen, your sons, your daughters are going to be asked to do all of these things to provide for the king. And uh, they're going to ask for a tenth from, from all of you. And in verse 17, it says, he will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will be his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief and, and the king that you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Man, God is being subtle here. Verse 19, but the people refuse to listen to Samuel. No, I kind of imagine it like a cartoon, like they're kind of whiny. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like other nations with a king to lead us and to go before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. And the Lord answered them. This is a really intense answer. Listen to them and give them a king. Y'all, sometimes we get what we ask for. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everybody go back to your own town. It's this is a very interesting transition because there would be a succession in the word of king after king after king um, until there would be captivities. But it's interesting that the beginning, the very first king is the king the people asked for. Just a really brief, you know, like kind of like seeing forward because we're about to jump into the New Testament. They would get Saul who would end up being a terrible king. And there's this principle in scripture, we get who we deserve. Ooh. But what's fascinating is when God puts David in, he says, David's a man after my own heart. Anyhow, but we ain't, we ain't going there. We're going other places today. Um, they wanted to be like other nations. They wanted a king to rule them. Why? Frankly, because the Lord wasn't enough. As soon as we saw, you know, they, they were so blessed and so um, spoiled over, under Samuel that when they saw his sons, they're like, no, no, no. We want something different. And they made that proclamation. And the Lord's like, no, no, this is idolatry. I've been dealing with this forever. They want to put their heart towards someone else. They want to put their allegiance towards someone. And I need their allegiance to be for me. Tell them there's going to be a high cost for this. Um, and so, you know, before that, the Lord had been protecting them from the excesses and the challenge of an earthly king, an earthly prime minister, an earthly president. I'm here to tell you, there ain't, a, there ain't a, a place on the planet that is the kingdom of God. And he was trying to protect them from those things. Now I want to fast forward you to the New Testament. Will you go there with me? This is, we're going to go into Romans chapter 13, and we're going to jump into where Paul is. Totally different context, totally different situation. Paul is, you know, a church leader and apostle, and he is in the midst of a Roman government, and he is writing to Christians who are typically not Jewish. A lot of these folks are Gentiles, meaning not Jewish, and they're in the Roman Empire. These are converts, people who've heard the testimony of Jesus and come to Jesus, and they're living in Rome. Y'all with me? Here's what Paul says in his very popular way. Verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and to those he will bring, they will bring judgment on themselves. In this circumstance, Paul is explicitly talking about an earthly government, 
and telling the people to obey. Am I getting really popular now? Like, he's like, he's saying, listen, I want you to listen to them, right? And I want you to obey them. And, and Paul says, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Y'all, there is no way in, in any reality ever to think that the Roman government was a great place to be. It was corrupt. It was harsh. It burned Christi- would burn Christians at the stake. Um, Paul suffered under the uh, uh, torture. Paul's savior, Jesus, was crucified by, by, like, there's, there's no way of saying, oh, but you know, it really wasn't that bad. It was horrible. It was horrible. And Paul's making this comment. He's like, listen, this authority that he's basically saying, they can't have authority unless God lets them. It's a difficult concept, honestly, to comprehend that like people can't have authority unless God allows them. The way that it says it in the scripture, unless God you know, establishes them, kind of the way I prefer to look at it, kind of with my mystery is like looking at it and goes, he's, he allows people I wouldn't allow, but nobody can have it unless he lets them have it. And the context of this is this terrible place where people are really suffering. One of the things that you see as you read the, the thread of scripture is he realizes that if people will... Um, if, if the people will have the right spirit, it will cause less trouble for God's people. But let's explore the edges about this. So let's listen to Jesus before Pilate. In John chapter 19, it says, do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Do you realize that I have the power to free you or to crucify you? This is Pilate, a Roman governor, speaking to our Jesus. Y'all follow me? Here's Jesus's response. And Jesus is about to be tortured and put on the cross, and he knows it. Jesus says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guiltier of greater sin. And from then on, Pilate actually tried to free Jesus. And what Jesus is telling Pilate is, listen, this authority you have, you couldn't have it unless my father let you have it. That's intense. Going back to Romans chapter 13, Paul is going to double down on this stuff. And in verse six, he said, this is why you pay taxes for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. It doesn't address the fact whether or not it's good or bad authority. It just says that this is what they do, which is very similar to what we saw in Samuel. Didn't address the fact that they were bad leaders. Verse seven, go to, the, to everyone, everyone that you owe them If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. For some of us who are very justice-wired, Scripture is really offending us here. Because this is saying that we should be respectful and honoring to authorities, and it's not based on whether or not they're good at their job, whether they're ethical or not ethical. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of want to go, what? <laughs> but here's the thing. If you catch this, you will catch something that is really close to the heart of God. The respect, the honor, and the submission is not about them, it's about you. Yeah, 
Can I say that to you again? The respect, the honor, submission. It's not about them. It's about you. It's about my heart. You know, in Scripture, it says to honor your father and your mother. What's fascinating is it's a Ten Commandment, and it's not performance-based. Now, does that change the fact that there are people who have had very terrible experiences with their parents? Does it affect, does it, does it affect the fact that our God is going to call everyone to account for their deeds? He absolutely is going to, right? But you see, the respect that I give my mom or I give my dad isn't based on their performance. It's based on what's good for me. And God knows for me to hate my parents or to go against my parents, it corrupts what's inside of me. And he's trying to keep me pure. And see, what happens is we shift the tables and we make it about them. God's like, it ain't about them. It's about you. And Paul is trying to get at that. When you read these scriptures in, in Romans chapter 13, it's offensive when you understand the context. Because it just sounds like, you know, obey the, you know, it makes you sound like, when you're at the DMV, be nice. No, this isn't about that. You should be nice to the DMV people. You should. But there's like no way around this. There's no experience that Paul had. There's no other Rome that Paul lived in. There's no, they crucified our savior. And Paul is saying, give honor, give respect and pay your taxes. That's tough stuff. Now, I wanna explore the edges about this, right? Because there's some places in scripture where people disobeyed authorities. And when I look into them, I find like in Acts chapter four, it says, then they called them again. They commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right for God's, in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Chapter five, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. You will have... Uh, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Well, um, <laughs> Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God than, uh, than human beings. I would humbly submit to you that oftentimes we want to take that scripture and lump everything we do into, I'm obeying God. They were obeying God by preaching the gospel. Like that was, the, that was the, a red line for them. Nope, you ain't taking away my gospel. I'm gonna tell people about Jesus and you can't tell me not to. In both examples, you know, that's, that's what's happening. And I, um, we are, as a people, so focused on earthly kings and earthly rulers. As Americans, we think we have more control than we really do. And as Americans, we think we should have more control than we really should. Democracy is not a savior, Jesus is. Democracy is not even biblical. No form of government on this planet can redeem the lost or save people. There isn't, there isn't one. There's not one that exists. We have a king, y'all. We have a king. The answer from Samuel was, is the same answer for us today. You already have a king. Do you hear that this morning? You, come on. You have a king. You have a king. And we should be proclaiming, endorsing, campaigning the king of kings. 
Our King Jesus, he preached the kingdom. Why? Because his kingdom is so much greater. Do you know the same government that Paul said, listen to, obey, pay your taxes, pay respect, doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist. And there isn't a kingdom on the planet that will exist in heaven. I happen to think we live in the best place that there is to live when it comes to governments. But I am confident that I will not need my American passport to go to heaven. I'm confident that nobody's going to care that I'm an American. And I'm confident that we have a lot wrong and a lot right. But I am also confident that the king is that king. He is my king. They wanted a different king. This king isn't good enough. He, they, 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 this this person, this isn't what I need. And God's like, you are solving the wrong problem. It's your king that matters and your king and his kingdom that matters. And I got to say, we can be so concerned about economy and education and foreign powers and foreign policies. And these are all important issues, but they are not eternal issues. I want to challenge you today to align your passion and priorities with a heavenly kingdom. I want to read you a scripture and I want, to, I want to speak to the scripture. This is in Revelations 21, verse 6. It says, he said to me, it's done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. It's talking about this glorious thing in heaven that God has for all of us who would call upon the name of Jesus. Amen? And then it says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who are practicing magic arts, the idolaters and the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. death. Y'all, people are going to hell. And I often have read this scripture and thought, you know, it's intended to warn unbelievers. But you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. Why would I think that unbelievers are reading that scripture? Right? The reality is God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. And it's not that the fear of, of, of being separated from God in hell isn't, isn't a deterrent. But I actually think that this is actually, read, this is actually in there more to motivate you and I than them. It's more there to motivate you and I than them. To realize that, like, you want to get passionate about something? Get passionate about someone being separated from God for eternity. Like, the primary purpose of scriptures about hell should be to motivate us, not others. And I don't know about you, but it's his love that cast out all fear. It's his love that drew me. It's, it's the fact that, that I, have, I, I have found a, a savior, and I, and I want... I want other people to know that that he's as good as he says it is. And I I want to represent him well. Do you hear that today? I want to represent him well. I want what comes out of me to make people say, I want to know who your God is. I'd like to to at least hear more. And there are 
people who are preaching political outrage and preaching rebellion, there are false teachers who are twisting God's word and using God's word to disciple Christian, Christians away from the kingdom of God. And I want to ask all of us today, who is discipling me today? Who is, is the word discipling me? Or is it somebody who's feeding me things and who knows a little bit of scripture? Jesus, he preached repentance to individuals, like change. And Jesus gave us this message of reconciliation that God wants to reconcile man to himself. And he has given us a mission to make disciples. And those disciples should look like Jesus' disciples. When they came to get Jesus with clubs, Jesus looked at them and said, Am I, reading, am I leading a rebellion? He wasn't trying to rebel against something that was happening. He was trying to invite people to his kingdom. Did y'all catch that today? Like he wasn't, he was like, honestly, he was like Rome Shmome. And I don't mean that government doesn't matter. I don't mean like, like he's like the king of kings. He's like, you know, they come to trick him. He's like, what, do, what should I do with this denarii? You know, it's got Caesar's imprint on it. You know, he's like, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. It's like, don't care. You're mad about something I'm not mad about. What I'm mad about is people are going to hell. And my prayer today is that we would make disciples that look like Jesus' disciples. And that the things that we are passionate about will be the things that he's passionate about. There are a lot of things that are worthy of discussion, conversation, and things like that. But there are very few things that are so worthy of an eternal passion in the things that drive us. And what I want to proclaim to you today is you have a king. Do you hear that today? You don't need to find a king. I don't need to find a king. I have a king. And I want to know that king. And I want that king to inform the way that I approach the world. Um, I really, I, I know this isn't like my average sermon to you today. Um, when, when this was on my heart, I said, Lord, I'll, I'll preach this kind of subtly and just kind of let people fill in the, in, the, in the dots. And I'll be honest with you, I felt compelled to just Say it with some passion because I believe God wants to align our passion. And the word of the Lord is you have a king. You have a king. Their, their desire, it's interesting that they didn't want to change out the old king. They, wanted to change, they didn't want to change out Samuel just because he was old. They wanted to change out because his sons were no good. And they were no good. Scripture says they were no good. They weren't good leaders. And God was like, your, their focus, you think it's about you, Samuel, and you think it's about your sons. He said, it's about me. He says, they don't know what they're asking for. So tell them what they're asking for, and then they're going to live with it. And I just, I just want to encourage us today. We've got a good king, a good king. And today, I, I just want to encourage you, let your passions be for that king. Let your mindset be for that king. Let whoever's discipling in you in life be
be drawing you to a king who when they came to him said, am I really a rebellion? That was who he was. And he went to the cross willingly and suffered for you and for me. Good thing he didn't re- lead a rebellion. I just want to encourage you, like, let your passion be for the king. He's worthy of it. I'm, I feel so convicted because I feel like, God, if I really believed that people were going to hell, I would, I, I, you know, if I, if I let it really get into me, how would that not eat me up? And I'm convicted of it. I repent of like, God, help me to sincerely care the way that you care that there are lost people. I, as, as your pastor, I don't wait, I don't talk about a lot of things and it's really intentional. And I really, and, and it's because I really believe I have a call that has to talk about one king. Um, and that, and it, everything else could pull away. And I want, frankly, as wide an audience to tell people about that king as possible. I want to be able to share it with everyone. Would you stand with me today? Let's take a moment and let's pray. I want you to know that if you have a question, thought, if you're angry at me, just call me, text me. I'm okay with it. And I don't mean that disparagingly or, or I just mean it's okay. It's okay. Don't mind. Um, but I just want to pray. And what I want to pray is that God's heart will be our heart. Amen. Father, this morning, I proclaim that we have a king, a good king, who's on his throne, who hasn't moved, who hasn't changed. And I proclaim my allegiance to you, king. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Lord, you said the wise win souls. Lord, may we be wise to win souls. Father, may your word and your spirit be the one who disciples us. Father, give us discernment of spirits, discernment of motivations. And Lord, may the things, Father, that you're passionate about, we give you permission to make them the things that we are passionate about. Lord, I thank you that you're patient because you don't want people to perish. And Lord, we thank you that any delay to the second coming is just so that more and more people can call upon the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray, would you fire us up, Father, to love people well and to present you well. God, we repent for wanting other kings. We repent for thinking that that's going to solve things. Father, what's going to solve things in people's lives is turning to Jesus. That changes everything. Lord, we love you. We honor you. God, I pray today as we have our picnic and as we fellowship together, God, just bless our time. Bless the conversation. Bless the interaction, Lord Jesus. And be glorified. Be honored. We love you, Jesus. You are our King of Kings. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.